Welcome back to the 3D Podcast. Uh, Sean Coleman here with you. Uh, we just got uh, done talking with the uh, uh, new uh, Grizzly Bear Blues writer, Greg Lubiani. And in continuing with uh, that trend, uh, we are I'm very happy to uh, bring in another Grizzly Bear Blues writer, a new writer. Again, much like the previous three we spoke with, he's new to Grizzly Bear Blues, not new to writing as a whole, but a very talented uh, a young uh, fan and now writer of the Grizzlies, uh, Devin Robertson. Devin, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing great, Sean. How about yourself? I can't complain at all, man. Just enjoying the night, wishing this hot weather would take a bit of a bit of a break, but uh, but excited to uh, to talk Grizzlies as always. I just want to thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, well, we 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 would definitely appreciate it. So, so Devin, let's let's talk about you for a little bit. Uh, first off, you can find Devin on Twitter at Devin D E V I N from the seven. Is that is that correct, Devin? That is correct. Gotcha. Nice, nice little rhyming there you got going on. I, I'm a fan of that. Um, of course, you know, along with Devin, you can follow uh, me at Stats SAC, and you can also follow the pod at Three and Deep, um, the podcast at Three and Deep Pod on Twitter. Uh, but Devin, so let's talk about you a little bit. So um, you have a diverse background, obviously, uh, coming to Grizzly Bear Blues. Obviously, you're a fan of the Grizzlies, but you've done some writing. You've done some marketing. You were a marketing manager over at City Gear, and you also have uh, basically been a, a, a music writer, uh, for the, I believe, for the rap magazine Elevator. Um, so you have, you know, some some very extensive history um, in terms of working with the public and, you know, promoting a brand. Talk a little bit about that and how that developed into a to a desire to write about basketball and how it compares to writing about basketball. Well, uh, I've always just been a a real lover of writing. I was in yearbook in high school, uh, but what really drew me to writing was the the fact that I could express my opinions on everything that I liked. Because I always uh, had somebody asking me, "Hey, what what are you listening to?" Um, how do you feel about this? And I was always able to express that really well in words. So just being able to bring that to my favorite team is like a real honor. Um, and as far as marketing, I got into that basically because it's it's helping to form a public opinion or helping to build public opinion just in a digital realm. So bringing attention to something that you really like is something that I was already doing. So being able to do that in the, in the marketing sphere just kind of seemed natural to me. Understood. It's, it's probably a desire to want to interact with folks, interact with the public, connect with the public. And nowadays it's so easy to do that. The world is so much smaller via social media and, and, and channels such as that. So certainly can understand you know where that desire come from. So, so let's talk about this. So, you you have experience with writing about music. You have experience with marketing. You know, you had talked about in the introduction roundtable um, uh, over at Grizzly Bear Blues when we were getting introduced to you uh, through Parker Fleming's piece. You had talked about the fact that you know this is the, the Grizzlies are embarking on an era that they have not seen before, a, a youthful, athletic era that definitely is a contrast to the past. But the thing about it is, as great as John Morant, Jaron Jackson, and others are on the court, there's so much to like about them off the court. Devin, how important is it for the Grizzlies franchise to, while developing on the court is very important, is it not just as important for the Grizzlies to capitalize on the youthful exuberance and and just fun-loving attitudes that John Morant and Jaron Jackson present? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think it's imperative that the Grizzlies really capitalize on how fun these young dudes are. Uh, I think it was really important for them to show up at Summer League, even though they didn't even necessarily have to be there. They were still showing that they were leaders, but also they had a lot of energy and enthusiasm about the guys on the team that they might not ever even play with. So, Devin, I'll ask you this question. You know, I know that you um, you you have a uh, background of writing, you know, in regards to rap and things such as that. But the thing that I'll say is this: you know, you see the NBA intertwined so much in in in, in um, um, pop culture now. You know, whether it be music, movies, whatever it uh, is. Basically, you know, there's there's always a crossroads between entertainment, you know, and the NBA. Does it surprise you though that Memphis has not had? Um, as much of an influence, like the Grizzlies have not had as much of an influence on the music culture that's here in Memphis. You know, Memphis is such a big fan of basketball and also it's such a big fan of music in general as well. But it seems like there's never really been a, a, a common connection between the Grizzlies and the music environment here. Does that surprise you? Um, in a way, it doesn't. Uh, I feel like our the Grizzlies' most successful years were uh, based on very slow-paced fundamental basketball and I'm not sure if that'll necessarily translate well into into the hip-hop world um, like there aren't that many Spurs references because they play a very similar style of basketball well now I don't know if I'm expecting Yo Gotti or Young Dolph to start sitting courtside and you know becoming the, the Grizzlies version of Drake or anything like that but do you feel that with John Jaron there is that potential it just seems like you know that it, the potential is certainly there to where the Grizzlies as a franchise it just seems like we've always kind of been you know in, in the past with how we did things now to get with modern times you know on the court we're trying to get younger more athletic things such as that we have John Jaron who seemed to be very personable do you feel like there could become more of an influence, you know, that intersects the Grizzlies in the music environment here in Memphis with John and Jaron, you know, as the cornerstones? Oh, absolutely. Uh, once again, I feel like they're the most exciting players that the Grizzlies have had in a while, and I feel like that it'll just naturally roll over, especially as the music scene in Memphis gets younger. Uh, we have younger rappers becoming more prevalent every day. I think that... Uh, those two will just naturally go hand in hand with the with the scene. So you had talked about obviously, um, you know, the, the Jaw being the point guard, you know, now and into the future, and we'll get to him in a second. But I want to talk about your history and kind of how the Grizzlies and you um, intertwine. Obviously, um, from talking with you before we started the podcast, you had developed a love for the Grizzlies through your dad, which is which is very admirable. Um, you know, that's always a great story to hear from Grizzlies fans, you know, when families themselves, you know, different generations are Grizzlies fans. But just talk about that, and especially with the fact that there's a connection between your dad's love for Ohio and your love for Mike Conley, you know, of course, you know, being from Ohio. Yeah, um, my dad was a huge Ohio fan, and uh, – once uh, the Grizzlies got Conley, we just went to – I think our first game was in December of – oh, man. I want to say it was the 08-09 season. It was against the Phoenix Suns. They had Shaq. But uh, Mike came off the bench in uh, in favor of Kyle Lowry that game, and he only scored two points. So uh, the, 
Grizzlies were on a homestand at that point, so he just bought tickets for like every game <laughs> in the homestand. And uh, I, I think we lost. I think we played five games in that homestand and lost four of them. Are you sure but, that hasn't been over the past two years? You sure, you're sure that it wasn't last year, were you? <laughs> that sounds very familiar. <laughs> but the thing is, as we uh, as we grew, I was able to watch Conley grow and evolve, and it was uh, it felt like a similar story to myself because I came to Memphis as a transplant as well, and uh, I feel like I grew and matured into somebody consistent and steady, as steady as Mike Conley. So I just always felt a resonance with him as a player, like him coming back from a broken face. I just felt like he was that guy. Even though uh, our more heralded players were Zebo and Mark, I just always had a thing for Conley. Maybe it was because my dad loved him so much. I think that's probably what it is. <laughs> so, Devin, obviously, you know, you grew up with the Grizzlies during the time where they were extremely successful, the grit and grind era. You know, as you stated, you know, it, it wasn't that, you know, popular compared to the other styles in the NBA, but the Grizzlies' connection with their players was amazing. Obviously, you know, your, you know, connection with Mike Conley being your favorite player. You know, talk about that a little bit. What about Conley beyond, you know, the, the similarities between him and his dad, you and your dad? What was it about his game, his personality that made you such a fan of his? And even though it made, made it may have made sense for the Grizzlies to part ways with Conley at this point in time, how hard is it to see, you know, the franchise transition to the future and, and you yourself, you know, see your favorite player go to another team? Oh, it, it, it's tough. It's tough. I can only imagine how Thunder fans feel right now, but, uh, Seeing your your franchise point guard go somewhere else is difficult. Um, like I said, Mike has always been well, except for in his early days, he's always been consistent. And uh, even when he had less of less of a role, he was just more of a a passer, uh, helping Zebo get hot. Uh, once he really had free reign to start letting it fly and getting to the rim and unleashing the ambidextrous floater at will. I just really, really started loving Mike over the past four or five years. Had you seen Conley perform, especially offensively at the level that he did in March? It seemed like Conley was probably playing the best offensive basketball of his career, you know, to end last season. Yeah, he was in another world. I don't think I've ever seen Mike just, take as many transition threes as he did that season. And I thought that was awesome. It was just a really, it really showed off the full tool set of what, what Mike could do when he's unleashed. And I feel like he's going to be a terror in Utah. I completely agree. I think that Utah all along made the most sense for him. And, you know, the, the good thing though, is that, you know, it, it, the whole trade itself, um, you know, at, and, one last question about Conley um, as we you know transition to talking about, you know, obviously, you know, his uh, successor. The thing, though, about the trade is, is that in all ways it worked out. The Grizzlies were able to get beneficial assets that, you know, helped turn into Brandon Clark amongst other players. But for Conley himself, the Grizzlies did right by him, sending him to, of all the destinations that made sense for him to go, probably the one that gives him the best chance 
to truly make some noise in the playoffs and you know and maybe even make it to the finals eventually do you think that that's a that's a, that's a part of the trade that's not talked about enough that the Grizzlies truly did do right by Conley by sending him to such a um you know potentially good situation in Utah yeah I think that's a, a very underrated part of that move um Mike just fits in with that defensive tenacity that Utah has and I think once they get like a another scorer who can help Donovan Mitchell out so he's not in the same situation that he was in in uh in that Houston series it really just sets them apart it really puts them up there at the top right up there with the with the other big names in the west so now, obviously, Conley is in Utah, and of course, the Grizzlies were able to, you know, luck. You know, they were able to combine luck and common sense to land John Morant. Obviously, John Morant right right now is probably not on the level of Mike Conley, but he does have a style of game that, you know, as you have stated, is very exciting—a style of play that the Grizzlies really haven't seen before. While it is hard to separate your love for Conley, I'm sure, how excited are you to see John Morant take the reins and make this franchise his own, you know, as its point guard of the future? Oh, I'm I'm so excited for John. Uh, he's really electric. He's dynamic with his passing. He can get to the rim almost at will. Uh, plus, he'll be, he'll be good for quite a few highlight-level plays, uh, with lobs to Jan and Brandon and dunks of his own. So I think he brings uh, he brings a lot of eyes to the Grizzlies because uh, if you go to his Instagram, I, I want to say that uh, Ja has as many or if not more followers than the Grizzlies team itself. So he already has his own fan base that he's bringing to an already rabid fan base. So I feel like Ja just has a combination of everything to really – pull Memphis up by its bootstraps. So my guess is is that you you see the potential in John Jaron. I've stated before, I feel that Jaron Jackson is the best natural talent the Grizzlies have ever drafted. But when it comes to personalities, John Morant may be the most um widely known personality to come into the Grizzlies franchise, you know, as a rookie. Do you see John or Jaron or maybe both? Do you see them truly being that on a new level of of star, maybe even superstar, to where they're not just known in Memphis, but they're known across the NBA, and they finally have you know that that superstar potential or influence on and off the court that Grizzlies fans have wanted for so long in a player. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, if you ever watch any of their like Instagram stories, they're uh, really personable. Always, always joking around. Uh, so I think those those two dudes are just extremely extremely exciting for the city. Um, I I couldn't think of a better duo to bring to shine some light on the city. I agree completely, and you know it, it's going to be very exciting to see. So you know when we talk about the, the youth and the athleticism that's there, Devin. Um, you know, you you stated, like I said, in the roundtable that this is really something that the Grizzlies have not seen before. Um, when you say when you when you make that comment, what do you feel makes the most sense? Is it, I mean, we just beyond highlights, do you feel that the Grizzlies are going to be able to win through offense, kind of like they did in March, 
or do you feel that the offense is going to complement the defense since we do have several players where, de- where defensively they may have as high or higher of a ceiling as they do offensively? How do you see this unit gelling to give us the best chance, you know, the quickest chance to succeed? Uh, I think we have a nice young core, uh, especially on the defensive end. The offensive end is a little bit of a mixed bag for me. Uh, I know that Jared can shoot, Dylan can shoot it. But outside of that, uh, there are a couple of question marks there. Bruno's pretty good. Jay Crowder's pretty good. Um, But as far as getting out there on the perimeter and putting up buckets, the Grizzlies might have a little bit of a way to go. But I believe that uh, giving Jaron more space to shine will definitely show off the range, uh, free up the lane for Jonas and help uh, and help Jai get to the rim a little bit easier as well. And when we look at the roster, you mentioned several players on it. Let's set aside Brandon, John, Jaron. Obviously, you know, they're the ones who are getting the, um, you know, a lot of the buzz is the future. And, you know, let's set aside Jonas. He, he probably is the veteran leader of the team. Can you give me a name? Can you give me someone on the team that when you look at our roster, this guy either has, you know, plenty of opportunity or there's just something about this guy that makes you feel he's the one that's going to surprise many. He's the one that's going to step up and and make it and, and basically make himself a part of the future out of nowhere. Someone the Grizzlies just have on the roster now because the potential is there but he can turn that potential into production to really work his way in the Grizzlies' future plans. Is there any player that many may not be thinking of right now that you think could take a giant step forward in his development this year? Um, you know, I might be in the minority in this area, but I really want to see Josh Jackson do well. Um, he was a high draft pick for Phoenix, and I think he still has some of those tools. Uh, he's just a little bit of a... A little, a little bit of a character, but on. <laughs> but when it comes to basketball, he showed in Phoenix that he could defend pretty well, and uh, he shot the corner three pretty well. Is uh, pretty well on top of that. So I feel like, given Memphis's lack of shooting, that somebody that can knock down the three like Justin Holiday did last year would uh, just kind of help the team grow a little bit more especially because they do have that need for shooting. Place is really athletic. Uh, I feel like Memphis is a place where people come and rehabilitate their careers. So I feel like if anybody has a chance, it's going to be Josh. And so you hit the nail on the head as far as, you know, that, that that's the, you know, while their stories are different, you know, you've got Josh Jackson, you've got Grayson Allen, you've got Bruno Caboclo, you know, these guys who are first-round picks whose careers certainly have not gotten off to the start many had envisioned for them. Do you have faith in Taylor Jenkins and his staff, which was, you know, completed this week? Do you feel that, that – do you have confidence and faith in that staff to really set up an environment for these guys who – who, who have not had the best, um, you know, stories off the court, certainly have not developed on the court. Do you feel Taylor Jenkins and his staff can set up an environment to where these guys can finally develop into some sort of resemblance of what people had in mind for them when they were drafted? Okay, so I've never said this out loud before, and uh, I think it's going to be more common for us to say, but I really 
love this Grizzlies front office. They've been making a lot of smart moves. Uh, I think hiring somebody with uh, with a legacy like Taylor Jenkins uh, was a good idea. It allows him to grow as a coach and allows him to uh, show what kind of coach he is. And the only way that he can gain the trust of his players is by believing in them and giving them the opportunity to make mistakes, uh, which I'm sure they'll make plenty of. So uh, I believe I have a high level of optimism for Taylor Jenkins and his ta- and his team, uh, and I'm I'm ready to see where they take it. I'm not I'm not quite sure what kind of style he's going to be playing because the only coaching we saw him do was at summer league with uh, players that won't be on his starting night lineup. So uh, I'd I'd like to see what he does over the course of the season so I can be excited for the future. Again, we're speaking with Devin Robertson, one of the new um, talents over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Really excited to see, you know, his um, um, opportunity and, and his a story with Grizzly Bear Blues take off. So a couple – last question with you, Devin. Now, you have been on record. I mean, it was there um, on record. You stated – that the Grizzlies' best player of the grit and grind era could not jump over a craft single. So the question that I have for you is this, Devin, is that if you and Zach Randolph were standing side by side, I was there to witness standing side by side, and I just so happened to have a craft single in my coat pocket and I set it down, would you look Zach Randolph in the eye and tell him you don't feel that he could jump over that craft single? That's a terrible idea. What do you mean that's a terrible <laughs> idea? You were on record of saying that. I'm giving you the opportunity to say it to him in person. Uh, I'm going to delete that tweet right now. I hope Zebo never <laughs> sees it. <laughs> uh, all, all joking aside. So, Zach Randolph, obviously, he was one that when he came to the Grizzlies, uh, you know, he he – like the players we just mentioned, he had his own off-the-court issues, you know, really had not met the potential that he had. But then when he got here, he had the freedom to play, and he did exactly that. Looking at Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark and Zach Randolph are two, are two separate talents. They have different styles of games, things such as that. But I feel like Brandon Clark does have that workman's-like mentality to where he could really do the dirty work and make a difference. Do you see him potentially becoming better than many may think? I know a lot of people think he is one of the better talents in this draft, but do you see him becoming a potential all-star level starter like Zach Randolph did was? That's hard to say uh, in the West. I think he has loads of talent. Uh, he could leap over almost anybody, and he showed that he had uh, some craftiness at the rim and uh, somewhat of a three-point shot. So I think that if he sticks to what he's been doing and uh, continues to develop his game, I think the sky's the limit for Brandon. Uh, I think he could be right up there with John Jaren. And, and, and let's hope so. I mean, the, the, the idea of John Jaron and Brandon really being a trio for the future, you know, is quite exciting. Now, Devin, obviously, we know about the highlights. We know about the expectations and the excitement potentially on offense. But, I mean, let's not forget our defense. There's there's a lot of defensive potential that is there. When it comes to Jaron and Brandon Clark, you know, they really themselves individually, 
can anchor a defense without issue at all. Do you feel that they could become one of the best defensive tandems in the NBA over the next few years? Oh, absolutely. Uh, both of them are really switchable. Either one of them can guard the rim uh, or the perimeter. I I think they could really be a, a lockdown tandem. Do you feel like it makes sense for the Grizzlies to utilize one as the rim protector? Like, say, for instance, they wanted to have Clark as the rim protector and then have Jaron be able to, to expand out, branch out to the perimeter. It seems like that if that's the case, their, their um, intelligent movement with their feet, their length, that really could cause a lot of nightmares. And, and we're right back to seeing Memphis, you know, as one of the better defenses in the league. Do you see them working well with each other in terms of letting one guard the rim and one go out on the perimeter? And do you feel like either one could do either job? Absolutely. I, I feel like both of them could do that pretty well. Uh, they both, uh, well, at least Brandon did in summer league, showed that he could defend at a high level uh, on the perimeter and at the rim. Jaron showed that last year as well. I feel like they're completely interchangeable in that sense. And uh, Devin, one last question before we, uh, you know, end this opportunity to speak with you. The thing about the Grizzlies is, is that next year is not going to be based off wins and losses. If you're trying to base it off that, you're you're going to be disappointed. But when you look at the young core, when you look in place, um, what we when you look at what we have in place, what is the one thing for the Grizzlies as a whole that you're really hoping to see as the year progresses? The one thing that if you see it, you'll feel completely confident that we're heading in the right direction and we're probably going to be successful before most think we will. Ooh, that's tough to narrow down. Um, if it's not just been, one, if it's multiple things, that's fine as well. We're in a, an uncertain time right now. And I feel like if uh, Grizzlies attendance is, is better than it was last year, and then we show support to our young guys. That uh, That's really all we can ask for. They're obviously not going to be at the top of the West. The West is way too loaded for that. But just to have the fans there and supporting them through uh, what's going to be a tough season would show that, that we're on the way. Because if we show them that we're behind them, they'll give their all and give their hardest for us. And again, as we're winding up here with Zach, or, or excuse me, with the Devin Robertson, um, a, a new talent over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Devin, the one thing I'll end with is this, is that obviously, you know, the Grizzlies, you know, we, we forever wanted them, you know, to, to, to put some effort into alternate jerseys and new looks and things such as that. Obviously, over the past 10 days, they have definitely done that bringing back the um, old threads from when they first moved to Memphis and obviously the Vancouver days. And obviously the new court, you know, is getting rave reviews as well. Your thoughts on that and, and how awesome again, you know, through the front, through the roster moves, through the front office, whatever it may be, how awesome is it to just see Memphis finally getting with the times and really making smart decision after smart decision to establish themselves as a significant franchise in the modern NBA? I, I think it's awesome for the, them to be capitalizing on that that retro energy. I think the inaugural Memphis black jerseys are are some of the best jerseys I've ever seen. I like the teal of the old Vancouver jerseys. I just wish it didn't have to be a Vancouver jersey. I understand for marketing reasons, but if it 
was just a little bit more relevant, that'd be cool. Uh, Jersey-wise, I really feel like the Grizzlies are doing great a great job. In my opinion, though, I I get rid of white jerseys. I feel like we have a great trio of colors in the in the light blue, the dark blue, and the gold. That if we just went with the that light blue alternate jersey that we wear instead of white, like the Lakers do, it'd be a a great look for the Grizzlies as a lighter color. Always keep that, be- that blue collar mentality. And, and that's exactly correct. I'm gonna be honest with you. I am. I I love the jerseys. I love the court. I love the marketing campaign. I cannot be more frustrated though that I've got to wait another year before I can get uh, the black and teal Brandon Clark jersey. That's the one that I want. It'll be out in a year, uh, but it, it, it it'll be worth the wait. It'll be worth the wait for it to come. So you know, I'll ask you this. And you know, I know I keep saying one last question, but this truly is the one last <laughs> question. Devin, how excited are you? That's the question that I've asked um, all uh, now. You're the fourth now. All the other new riders that you know have come on um, three and D um, from Grizzly Bear Blues. How excited are you to finally see the Grizzlies commit to the rebuild? And you know, just in their first few months of accepting that and embracing it, they've been so successful and you know really getting it off on the right foot. How excited are you now compared? you know, over the past 18 months being a Grizzlies fan? Oh, it, it's really exciting. I've been saying that they should rebuild for a long time. And uh, the time when they decided to do it, it just seems like all of the chips fell in the right place. So it, it, it's like a fairy tale. I couldn't describe it in any other way. It's amazing. Any way you look at it, Mark winning the title might go into a great situation for himself and all the moves that have taken place. I couldn't agree with you more. Devin, do you have anything to add, anything to plug, obviously, for yourself um, before we head out? we can't, Again, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Oh, nope, that's it. Uh, just follow me on Twitter at Devin from the 7. Uh, I look forward to interacting with you guys and hopefully uh, looking forward to a great season. Um, also, Devin probably would not be man enough to admit this himself, but he cheated in an accelerated reader test um, when he was in school. <laughs> if you are listening and you are in middle school or elementary school, do not cheat yourself on that. Getting Purely getting a good grade on an accelerated reader test is one of the best accomplishments in life. Don't cheat yourself of that like Devin did. That's the PSA for this edition of the 3ND Podcast. Devin, Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. It was a great conversation. Look forward to having you again. If you'll uh, hang on with me for just one second after we're done here. Um, But uh, folks, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the 3ND Podcast. Thanks so much for Greg Lubiani, Devin Robertson for joining us. In the near future, you will obviously be able to hear um, another edition of the 3ND Podcast this week with uh, uh, Justin Lewis as he'll be hosting um, his own show this week. And then me and Justin will be back soon as part of the Grizzly Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Uh, we're more than we cannot be more than excited about joining SB, SBN Grizzlies. And we can't thank Joe Molinax and others uh, so much for the opportunity. For Sean Coleman, Devin Robinson, Greg Lubiani, we can't thank you enough for joining us again for this edition of the 3D Podcast. <laughs>